This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Wellness comes from knowing your core values and aligning your actions accordingly in a flexible yet intentional way that honors both the present moment and the bigger picture. It could mean noticing you are tired after a demanding week and need rest rather than a run. It could mean saying yes to a social engagement instead of more screen time. It could mean saying no to someone you care about because your own needs are not yet met. Wellness is broad and covers all areas of your life including movement, nutrition, physical environment, relationships, spirituality, personal and professional growth, stress management, and more. Wellness is filtered through your thoughts, feelings, sensations, images, and perceptions to create your own unique wellness story that may or may not be serving you. Jill can help you create clarity and ease in your wellness story to improve your health. Valeria interviews Jill Yider, She is a wellness coach with a bachelor's in lifestyle management and nearly two decades of experience helping others improve their health and feel better in their bodies by being both intentional and flexible. She lives in Wellington, New Zealand with her husband, son, and cat and enjoys nature, creating, and connecting. Recently, she has been featured in Verve magazine and has been spending time nurturing her business, Heal with Jill, specifically her current offering, Nourish, which is a soul-nourishing program designed to help you heal your relationship with food and your body. Meet Jill at healwithjill.com. Here's the interview with Jill Yider. In your own words, who is Jill Yider? Oh, goodness. I think just totally basic, stripping away everything. I'm just a human like everyone else, just trying to wake up and move through my day with as much ease as possible. Um, I'm really sensitive. I'm highly empathic. And so that has a whole lot of gifts and also a lot of challenges. I can get overwhelmed and exhausted quite easily if I don't look after myself really well. Um, I'm someone who loves to connect and connect deeply to create really meaningful relationships and connections. And I love to create, and that could be anything. It could be something digitally to share. It could be something like just sewing, fixing a pair of pants or something. It could be making something delicious to eat, just anything that's kind of moving my own creative energy through something. Um, and I think that, uh, this is really hard because I tried to think of maybe what I know in my own words, but maybe how other people have given me feedback. And I think some of the feedback I've gotten is that I create a sense of safety, like both in the physical environments that I create and just in the kind of emotional landscape that I, um, set up if that makes any sense. And what comes to mind is, how did you come to these understandings of yourself, Jill? Ooh. Yeah. Um, I think it took some time, especially the kind of part about being really sensitive and highly empathic. I think it wasn't probably, I'm going to be 45 this year, but I think it was in my early 20s that for the longest time, I just felt like everything felt so hard. Like... (laughs) Um, maybe that's not an accurate, cause not, that's not true. Not everything felt so hard, but after being in like really kind of 
heightened social situations or um, I just started to notice that I always needed to have like some decompression, um, some alone time and that I was really sensitive. Maybe the best way of describing it is that I started noticing that I was always more sensitive. So in any setting whatsoever, I started noticing that I was way more sensitive to what was not being said versus what was being said. So I was always attuned to like the underlying vibe or energy, um, but didn't quite have a way to pin down that that's what was going on. And so if there was disconnect, then that was super confusing to me. And it wasn't until I worked with a counselor, a psychologist during a time that my sister, who actually was struggling with mental health and ultimately ended up taking her life. Um, and that's what led me to talk to a counselor. But it was in that setting, because that was a really healing setting that I had the opportunity to kind of understand that when that disconnect happens, that's confusing. If the energy and the language are congruent, that's one thing. But if there's disconnect, then that's a whole other ballgame. And like, what do you trust? I'm sorry about hearing that about your sister. And Thank you. I feel the energies, but I never been as a human in I never been through the situation, so I never lost anyone really close to me, especially in this way. So, wow, you made me pause there, Jill. Yeah, thank you. That was, it was like a whole, interesting, I mean, it maybe is helpful if I just frame it from that context, because my sister was in her late 30s, and she, yeah, she committed suicide, and then, and she didn't die right away. Like, there was this horrible injury that she suffered and then was alive for multiple months after that. Um, and then shortly, like within the span of a few years, my mom died of breast cancer and my dad also died and they were older. And that was kind of more like natural pattern of life. So I think what happened is that there was all this loss in a really concentrated period of time. And that is literally like at the same time that I started, um, kind of exploring the intuitive eating model, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit in some part of our discussion here, but it was, it was born from kind of the same energy like that, wanting to create a safe haven for other people who were dealing with things that were challenging, but in a different way, not necessarily in a human loss kind of way, but in like a loss from their own genuine connection to how they looked after themselves. Yeah. Speaking of intuition, how would you describe what intuition is? Um, <laughs> How do we know the difference between all these voices? I know. I, I, I still don't know if I have an absolute answer to that. I know I've created a, blogs and podcasts and lots of content, like constantly coming back to that question. And it's funny because even now, as you ask me that, I feel like I don't always know 100%. What I do kind of know is that it's there's um that it's not like reactionary if that makes sense it's not um impulsive but it could have a sense of clarity to it so if something feels like really unsafe for example and you need to react immediately that there is a clarity to it and it's almost like you don't even need to think like thinking just gets bypassed in a way that's helpful um I think intuition is always, always aligned with self-care. So um, it, for an example, like if you've been sitting on the couch all day and you genuinely need a bit of movement, but you're feeling kind of because you've already been sitting and are kind of lethargic, your kind of habit, unhelpful habit voice maybe says, oh, we'll just keep sitting, just stay in this little, you know, <laughs> nest that you've made on the, the little cocoon on the couch. But yeah. I think intuition <laughs> that's aligned with self-care kind uh -huh. of gently and firmly says, no, come on, you know, you've been sitting all day. We need to get outside for a walk. So it can be, I think it's clear. I think it's um, firm. I think it's compassionate. I think it's always aligned with self-care. Um, like it always has your back. It's not necessarily doing what's easy, but I think that it ultimately always leads to, in the bigger picture of things, 
feeling better. So I love that. I, mean, I love the way you communicate these messages. You, you, um, <laughs> wow, you make me almost cry and then laugh at the same time. It's uh, oh goodness. And I, I honestly, I don't have like it's still. I'll pro- until the day I die. I'll probably be trying to clarify what is intuition. You know, it's um, it's a deep felt sense as well. I think it's a kind of just gut feeling. But then that gets tricky because that gets back to, well, when do we know what part of the body to trust, you know? So I'm listening to you and I'm trying to kind of match what I know to be true as well Mm. when it comes to intuition. And that makes a lot of sense what you're saying. So it is something that is a voice. It's very nurturing for sure. Yes, absolutely. Inspire self-love. I know you mentioned self-care, but I I want to say self-love because it goes deeper in a way, right, Jill? And also, there's something about the inspiration to trust. So it calms yes. me down immediately, even if it's a situation that's very, it's very uncomfortable and challenging. Yes. I still have the strength to trust what's happening because of that voice. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. And I think that's interesting because I think of these words like self-love, self-acceptance, self-care, kind of all being in the same family. Um, And I think I probably gravitate towards using self-acceptance and self-care, I realize, more often because when I had been working with clients specifically with the intuitive eating model, a lot of them, like to use the word self-love, was so far from what they could even access that we had to start with something that was a little more neutrally charged, like just self-respect or self-acceptance because self-love seemed just too far down the track, if that makes sense. But I do, so it's like a spectrum maybe, but absolutely that's the goal. That is also inspiring the way you you have witnessed actually the reaction, the response to self-love, the the term, Mm -hmm. right? Because most of us have learned to do quite the opposite. That doesn't make sense to me because it feels like natural to care and to love oneself, right, Joe? But we have taught not to. I mean, it I know. Is, parenting has to do with that, of course, in so many traumas. We well, have exactly. And if someone has been in such an adversarial relationship with their body, it's like going from zero to 100 to expect, you know, to right off the bat orient to self-love, I think. Um, it kind of starts with, well, can we at least start with just a little bit of respect, like just basic, you know, basic respect at least. How interesting. The journey of unlearning. It's, uh, yeah. I know. It's taking know. those baby steps, right? Exactly. I love the way you teach. That's a very wise way of approaching a situation. Oh. <laughs> very <Thanks>. wise. <laughs> I think I'm always kind of the realist. Like, I'm always trying to find middle ground. Like, well, what's this extreme and what's this extreme? And then, like, what's kind of, you know, kind of, okay, a little bit of both. <laughs> In my case, I... I went extremes from no self-love at all to self-love. It was not easy, of course. It was very challenging. It was a movement <laughs> because the yeah. extremes are never easy, but I had to do that. I had suicidal thinking too at some point. So I had to go extreme in order to make huge change and transform. That's, yeah, I mean, it's so hard. I mean, I think there's probably very, thank you for being so honest. And you know what? I've had those feelings too. I don't know that I've ever had like a full on like desire or plan to end my human existence. But when things have felt so overwhelming, I've certainly had idealization about just a general sense of wanting to escape, just to not exist anymore. Um, And that can still crop up now and then. And I feel like I've gotten better about labeling it as, oh, there that is. And I coexist with that. And then that says to me that all of my attention needs to be directed towards observing and caring for myself. And that's, that's like, it puts it back into, oh, okay, this there's something 
because it's hard, I think, when you're naturally sensitive and empathic, I think you understand this as well. We're, we feel the energy of the world, you know, packaged up even, this sounds super silly, but even going to the grocery store can be like overwhelming because I'm sensitive to all the energetic pathways of how things were produced and packaged and labeled and put on the shelf and the care that was taken. And um, so <laughs> it's like this epic event to get through the grocery store, you know, and then get home and put everything away and deal with all the packaging and the recycling and the... Um, and to some people, that just maybe sounds crazy. But for those of us that are sensitive, that's like we're aware of the whole chain of events, the whole energy behind all of that production. Um, and I forget how I got to this, why I was saying that. But I think it had to do with overwhelm and those feelings of just, yeah. Escape. Wanting yeah, to right. not, yeah, escapism, um, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. I think that um, I don't know if I will ever go through the remainder of my life and not have those crop up at intervals. I think I've just learned to go, oh, almost identify with it. I, I don't remember. I listened to a podcast and I can't remember what it was, unfortunately, but it was quite helpful. It talked about talking to yourself in third person as a way to depersonalize things in a way that's helpful, not to disassociate necessarily, but just to be like, oh, Jill is having anxiety. Jill is having feelings and thoughts about wanting to escape. And then like, you know, digging deeper, like, oh, well, there must be a good reason. Like what kind of nurturing can come in to help support this? I love your honesty too. I mean, I just love everything about you. It's just so <laughs> open. You're open to life, Jill, and this is what this is all about to me. Well, life is messy. Yes. It's super yes. messy. Right. It's not like this tidy little package. And for someone like myself who likes to organize and systemize and loves things to be visually satisfying and all of that, the reality is, is that there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes that's just messy as. Wow. I have learned to, as being a sensitive person too, I learned to kind of breathe in everything <laughs> in a way yes. the energies around <laughs> me and just let them be <laughs> what they are. Exactly. And not trying to even interact with them. Although it's really the you know, they will just enter the body anyway. And then the body might feel the energies. I just let it dance and let it be too. It's a practice, isn't it? Uh, like you said. It's, it is. Yeah, for life. It's, and it's challenging. Yeah. And I, that just reminds me of something that I often ask myself when I'm in like a setting around other people and I'm filling all this self. I literally say to myself, is this mine? Like, does this energy belong to me? <laughs> Do I need to solve it? Do I need to do something with it? Is it even mine? What a fantastic experience this is. I think I said that off record. It's just something that amazes me that we can even talk about these things. I say that often on the podcast because it really, really I does. I love the way we are able to kind of unpack those complex ideas, concepts, feelings, emotions turn them in, into words and then have this conversation. It, it's just incredible. And it's not just words, it's energy. I mean, I'm feeling everything. I'm sure you do too. And Absolutely. Uh, I just love all this, <laughs> I have to say. Well, it's really therapeutic, you know, because as we're having this conversation, we're, we're holding the backdrop for each other for what's, we're, there's all the words that we're exchanging, but then we're also en energetically holding the backdrop for each other to decompress yeah. probably <laughs> everything that's gone on throughout yeah. the week, the month, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. So there's, <laughs> right. again, the language and uh, then the backdrop, but it's not incongruent. You know, that's the thing. That's why it feels lovely because even though we've both probably had stressors throughout the week or whatever, and we can each sense that in the background of each other, um, it's not incongruent with our genuine desire to be here in this space together right now. I have too many questions for you, the opening questions. So let me ask you before we get to the topics of what you do and how you do it, intuitive eating, what is spirituality to you? What is to be spiritual? I've thought about this and I had a little kind of 
not even a podcast, so to speak, but an audio file that I had recorded exploring this a bit. And so I listened back to it to jog my own memory. It's funny when you refer back to yourself and go, oh, I thought I've had that figured out at one point. And now I'm yes. like <laughs> trying to sort that out again. But um, mm. I think what it is, is attending to the behaviors that support my essence. So um, being, con- I think in a nutshell, spirituality to me is being congruent in my values and behaviors. So, and that basically means that anything can be a spiritual experience to me. Um, Literally anything, the most simple thing can be a spiritual experience if I'm present and if my behavior is aligned with what I have identified as being a core value. So I'm just trying to think of if I could frame an example. Um, I mean, there's some really obvious examples like going for a walk in nature, but there's some less obvious obvious examples like, um, you know, making the time to share some of my creative energy with my son, which I'm actually not super good at. Like I have to really try to go, right, I'm going to set aside a little chunk of time to really go, hey, Atticus, let's draw together or let's do a little bit of math together or whatever it is. Um, But that can be a spiritual experience as well because there's value and behavior alignment. So I know that's probably not super. I mean, I grew up in like a traditional religious paradigm, but I in no way am aligned with that anymore. And I do not for myself feel like that is synonymous with the essence of spirituality. I mean, some of us genuinely have those enlightening spiritual experiences that we feel all these things, we see all these lights and we have all these amazing, profound insights. But I love the way you said that, that anything, the simplest experience can be spiritual. Yeah, like finding a pair of comfy jeans can be a (laughs) spiritual experience. I mean, well, and then if you think, well, that's dumb, that's silly, why? Well, okay, do you value having something to wear that you're comfortable in that facilitates both movement, functionality, and just raw enjoyment and visual pleasure? Yes. Do you enjoy spending the time to like mindfully seek something out that you value? Yes. So it's like, you know, anything can be just done in disconnect or connect. And so I think it's not the, it's like, it's not the what, but it's the how. Um, And that's what makes something spiritual is, is their presence, is their connection. And it is, maybe it's just, yeah, it might not resonate with everyone because it is, I think, a very simple way of looking at it. It's a profound message. And and I know it's one that most of us cannot conceive for now at this time, but perhaps one day that everything is divine. There's nothing that's not divine. Right. Absolutely. And my other other question is, what do you feel is the purpose of this human experience we are having now? Mm. That's, um, ooh, let me breathe that in. Um, I, I think part of it is to just have raw learning experiences. And we may not even know how um, to digest all of it in this lifetime. Like it may not even make total sense ever. Um, I think, I think to follow our own path of, is it, I'm trying to remember who, was it Joseph Campbell? Is it the, um, who who is famous for saying follow your bliss? Yeah, that's him, <laughs> Joseph Campbell. Yeah. yeah, that's him. Yeah. I think that that is right at the top of the list is following your bliss and it, again it can be in the most simple way. Sometimes we think we have to have the the perfect job or the perfect house or the perfect kind of material physical um infrastructure 
but you can infuse your bliss and your energy into any system that you exist within. Now, of course, some of those systems are super traumatic and messed up and not like something that you want to continue to exist in. But I'm talking like if it's not a (laughs) disgusting traumatic system, then you can, you can infuse bliss in so many ways. It doesn't have to be like, um, you know, (laughs) the perfect everything. Um, and I think that, I don't know, I think, so part of this existence is making real deep soul connections with other, other people, I think, um, is, and it's not about, for me, it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality. Um, and that's, yeah. So I think probably following your bliss, making connections and just having learning, like, you know, growth experiences. But I think life is, there's certainly pain in life. There's, I, I mean, I totally understand that, but I think that, I think that there needs to be that continual reminder that we, we want to align with our bliss and with finding joy, you know? Yeah, I love this idea, this vision that we can do yeah. that. Yeah, because sometimes it can be a very painful experience for some of us that we choose even to end our lives because of it. Absolutely. Yeah, you know how I feel is that this is so amazing that even if we came here and took one breath only, there was already fulfillment. There was already enough. Absolutely. I mean, the it's hard to know how time compresses and expands outside of this human existence. You know what I mean? So what seems like an entire kind of normal 70, 80 years, it's hard to know what that might feel like after the fact or one <laughs> breath. It might all feel the same. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. That's close, very close to some of the ideas I have. It's almost of a deep uh, gratitude and appreciation for what this is that we call life. It doesn't have to have a meaning even. Exactly. It's just happening. It's just like you just kind of have to go, oh, that's life. That's life. That's life. Oh, okay. It's like I just remember after all that really acute trauma when I lost so many loved ones in a short period of time, I just remember feeling like it was so heavy. And then I just remember looking up and seeing the moon one evening and going, okay, this, it's not to discount how I'm feeling in this human experience, but there is still just life, you know, it's just still moving. It's still moving through me. It's still moving around me and (laughs) it's still there. It's almost like the only static state in nature is the human mind, if we can call the human mind Mm -hmm. nature, which obviously is, must be part of nature too. But we see that plants and the animals and the oceans and all the natural realms, they just um, do what they do. They just kind of uh, flow through existence. They accomplish so much. They're so incredible without thinking. I know. Right? Isn't that amazing? The mind's not present. I mean, they're just... Look at a, a flower. It's just incredible. How do you achieve that? How do you get to be a flower without thinking? And it's it, sometimes it feels frustrating and unfair because it would be no. lovely to <laughs> not to have all the baggage. <laughs> <laughs> to be a flower, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that, that simplicity true. of not having all this like unhelpful thinking and painful feelings and body niggles, like, if I, yeah, it's a little, so I don't know. Hopefully there's some kind of point to the <laughs> more complex experience we as humans are having. <laughs> With the mind, you see, we use the mind a lot to find meaning, to um, purpose, and to hope that this will take us to a different level of, ex- of existence, of being. I do believe that this is, um, it's enough. <laughs> so that's why I try really to, not to eliminate the mind, but to try to dance with it and to balance. It is, sense. I know. Yeah, make it simpler in a way, as simple as yeah, possible. Yeah, it's like coexisting with it. Like I, for me, I have found like the absolute worst thing I can do is get into a combative situation with emotional pain or unhelpful thoughts 
I, it's literally a ongoing practice of coexisting. I wanted to mention again that you are a wellness coach and you're yeah. also the founder of Heal with Jill. I love that because it rhymes. I know it's kind of tricky to say though. It's weird. <laughs> it sounds so good because it's like a song. And it feels natural. You see, that's nature. It feels so natural. You're also the creator of the Soul Nurturing Program. So Nourish, that's the program that you call it, capitalized. So talk to me about how it works, the working with you uh, for new clients and also the program, Nourish program. I would love to know more. Yeah. So um, let's see if I can summarize that a little bit. So Maybe I'll just start with the program. So it's a hybrid program. It's a mix of my online course, which is called Heal Your Food Story, which is very much um, based around intuitive eating, the intuitive eating paradigm, which I'll share just a little bit with in a moment. And so it's a mix of that course, Heal Your Food Story, and then some group coaching and some solo coaching. Um, And so... Now I'll backtrack, I guess. So intuitive eating is essentially a paradigm that's based in self-care. Um, I became certified as an intuitive eating coach several years ago when I was still living in the U.S. And um, I, it really resonated with me because it was just kind of, again, not easy, but so realistic and simple dealing in kind of these basic 10 principles like, are you eating when you're hungry? Are you stopping when you're satisfied? Are you choosing to, you know, reject the diet mentality, which means listening to your intrinsic body cues rather than following external food rules? Um, are you um, making peace with food, which means kind of being opening to a whole host of nourishing eating experiences rather than predefining what um I kind of talk about, I guess a good way of talking about that would be the difference between nutrition and nourishment. So nutrition is very much just like kind of, maybe you could even say the science side of things, which is in no way to discount that. And it's super important for our bodies to get good nutrition, but that's just, nutrition is one component of overall nourishment. Nourishment includes everything. Like, is it an emotionally healthy eating experience? Like what are all the, um, like what is the sensory experience? Like, are you even enjoying what you're eating? Did you take time to be present and prepare it? Like it's much more comprehensive and holistic versus just nutrition. Um, so the, yeah, basically the intuitive eating methodology is based in self-care and it's oriented to these guiding principles that kind of help you get reconnected with your most basic, basic biological needs, even you could say, because for example, if someone has been, has a history of orienting to external rules, either like a scale or dieting, or just basically the distractions of life that get you disconnected from recognizing that you're even hungry, um, it's a process to come back into the body and orient to, oh, I am a little bit hungry. Oh, that's what gentle satisfaction feels like. Um, So that's, and then, so that's kind of the intuitive eating component in a nutshell. And the, um, the coaching and the coaching side of it is based in that as well, but it can be a little more, um, especially the solo sessions, they can take on their own flavor depending on what the client is working on because I have a background in movement as well, both as a um, modern dancer and a Pilates instructor and just a lover of all things movement, um, personal training, kind of an eclectic background that way. There's other aspects that can come into the coaching side of things other than just the food component. So, but ultimately my bottom takeaway for someone would be that they come to a place of, again, body acceptance, that they don't base their health um, and their definition of health and well-being on how much they weigh, Um, that there's a recognition that that's just one aspect 
of health and it's not even the best indicator necessarily and that it's so it can be so arbitrary really i mean someone could get to a so-called healthy weight but get there by just really self-destructive means and not be able to maintain it at all versus someone could be engaging in all kinds of self-supportive behaviors and their body is just more voluptuous you know and their blood pressure is great and their cholesterol is fabulous and they're moving well, they have good mobility. And that's just where, that's who they are. That's what their body wants to be. And it's like finding just that place of, oh, that's okay. And then kind of having also the capacity, I think, to stick up for yourself and recognize that it is still acceptable in our culture to discriminate, I think, towards people based on their body shape. Like it's still, I think, an area that's okay to call someone fat or, you know, and it's, it's not okay. It's, that's, well, it's just downright rude and discriminatory, you know? So is that a word? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Judgments, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So part of it is, yeah, also coming into your own acceptance, but then also having good boundaries so that even if you go to the physician or something and they weigh you and give you all this grief about your weight, that you have a way to advocate for yourself. And that could even just be recognizing that, well, that physician is maybe not a good fit if they're that judgmental. I love that you teach that too. The clarity, we need to be able to discern between those who are helping us to get to that place of self-acceptance and self-love and those who are not. Absolutely. That I know it's not easy to do, right? We cannot get rid of everybody around us, especially family members. No, absolutely. I love that, Jill, that you include also movement. That's another part that I didn't know. So that's very helpful. It is a lifelong process. You know what I mean? It's not like you do something to your body, you get it to a certain point so that it has this outward physical appearance. And then that's that. It's not that it's no, you commit to an entire lifetime of living in your body, feeling all the feels, looking after yourself anyway, you know, it's, it's maybe not super glamorous, but it is a lifetime of living in your body and looking after it. I have heard before that the body is the only place we'll ever live in. It's the only house we live. Right, right. And that's so true, isn't it? That's very true, yes. I love the way you talk about feelings, too. One of the principles say, cope with your feelings without using food. Mm -hmm. So it is this, this idea of honoring our own emotions and not trying to escape, right, all the time. Yes, and that... That principle specifically, I think, is so vast. Like, obviously, someone who is more versed in terms of like the psychology of things, someone who's a counselor or um, can take that one principle and way expand on it. Um, But within the scope of what I do, it is kind of just some general awareness surrounding why you might choose to be instigating most of your eating experiences. Are they driven by simply the desire to taste something, genuine hunger, because other people around you are eating, because food was simply present, um, or because something painful is going on and it's just an agitation to do something. I think when we have pain in our body, like we want to fix it. I think that's a natural human instinct is to stop the pain. And so we just sometimes just start throwing things at it, you know, uh-huh, yes, right. <laughs> that aren't even the right solution. That's such a um, a trap, isn't it? To it is. Trying to numb pain or get rid of pain instead of understanding why does it hurt? To me, it's always about going deeper and understanding the it reasons is. why. I know. And it's interesting because it's like what I learned is that pain and grief are not the same thing at all. Like grief has, and I've listened to some of your other podcasts where you've talked to people who are full on experts about grief. Um, and grief is 
for, for me, in my experience, grief is soft. It has a softness to it. It allows me to still move through my day with ease and have that grief alongside me, whereas pain is all-consuming. Yes, and grief is something that's there because it's natural, right, Jill? We yeah, really like there's something. not resistance. There's Maybe it always comes back to resistance. Like with grief, I found there was not resistance about it. With pain, like emotional pain or physical pain, and I don't really view them as different because um, in my body, emotional pain usually almost always has a physical pain component to it as well. Um, but I like the pain that is so difficult is that, and I had this acronym at one point that it was literally like pain, P-A-I-N, which stood for persistent, all-consuming, intrinsic, and not responsive. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And so that's a good one. And I'm not even saying I have an answer as to what to do with that kind of pain, but that is the kind of pain that I think requires extra compassion and curiosity and listening because it is all of those things. It is intrinsic. It is all consuming. It's It doesn't respond to just throwing things at it, you know, trying to mm. numb it. I have heard about pain and suffering being different too. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard about those ideas? That I have, and I feel like I, it's so complex to me. I feel like, um, I think in my body, pain and suffering feel kind of the same, whereas emotions that are kind of clear but not um, clear but complex, I guess, like grief, for example. Yeah. I, what are your thoughts about pain and suffering? Yeah, I think we're just using words, but it has to do with mental constructs again. It mm -hmm. goes back to what the mind has. The mind has learned to interpret. It's all about interpretation and perception from what I see. Yes. From a place of clarity, we see that the only thing we can do is to live this moment. And to be Absolutely. here now, whatever's happening here now, this is it. This is life happening. Absolutely. <laughs> but then we have the tendency, most of us, especially coming from trauma, to live in the past and project the future. There's a lot of projections about worries and about the, what will happen. And then we are never here. We're never really experiencing this moment. I know. Suffering definitely comes from a place of mental constructs and ideas in the mind. But pain, I don't know. I think about pain, I relate that to the physical body. When the body is, I mean, it's undeniable when we have headaches and uh, all kinds of uh, excruciating mm. pain, which I don't have often, but I, I know lots of people who do. Yeah. That's really something to acknowledge and, and to honor in a sense of those feelings. And that's a feelings, not an emotion. I think emotions yeah. have something to do with the mind too. It's tricky, huh? I've thought through those things as well and don't have a perfect answer about the difference between thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations. <laughs> like, where do things belong? Like, is this a feeling? Is this a sensation? Is this an emotion? Right, right. <laughs> because maybe that helps, like, with how we attend to it if we're able to identify, well, is it a physical sensation? Is it an emotion? You know? I'm not sure, but yeah, I I don't know that I have those answers. It's great to talk about, isn't it? To have conversations it about is. these things. And I do agree. What helps me is whatever is happening that's uncomfortable, my question is always the same. What am I to see here? Mm. Not even to do, but what am I to see? What is to become clear about this? What am I to learn? <laughs> Those are the questions that come to me every single time since I learned, of course, to practice these things. That's beautiful. I think that kind of speaks to that incongruence that I mentioned earlier between what's being said and then the underlying vibe or energy. And that's like, I think when there's real kind of internal chaos it's because we're telling ourselves we should be doing one thing, but then the energy that's presenting in the situation is calling our attention to no, no, pay attention. There's something else here. 
So is that the alignment? I love how you talk about this. When everything comes together as one, there's a feeling of wholeness just sets yeah. in. It's just incredible. And then we feel like we belong not to anything or any person, but to life itself. That's what exactly. He, yeah. Like, yeah. no, I belong here, whatever this is <laughs> that we call Yeah, life. exactly. Whether it's in that sense of belonging, I think can be it, I don't know that it even necessarily has to do with being around other people. No, from my perspective now, it's just, it's incredible. It's indescribable almost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, belonging is such a vast, I have that actually word written down in my notes here. And I think it's, it can mean so many things like belonging to yourself, belonging to a social group, belonging to a family unit. And you can maybe feel fulfilled in a sense of belonging in one area, but maybe not in another area. I'm not, yeah. I I mean, I feel like I have a, like, for example, I feel like I have a strong sense of belonging within my little family unit um, and with my connections with nature. And I feel like um, that sense of belonging is not so established in terms of my um, professional life at this moment. I feel like in terms of external connections, you know, like maybe um, to other professionals or um, in the past, I've worked in a more traditional employment setting versus self-employment. And so there was a more, like a more established sense of belonging within a group. Um, and I think that now as a self-employed person, that sense of belonging is a little more um, non-traditional, <laughs> I right. guess. Right. Yeah. Which must feel very different. It does. Yeah. Yeah. For me has been really this, um, when I think about belonging is the words unconditional love, they come in. Yeah. It's just this feeling of being unconditionally loved by life. And I trust mm. that. That's so lovely. That's what it is really, Jill. That's what every time it comes to me, it's just incredibly powerful, that energy. And it's, yeah, absolutely just being 100%, 100% acceptance. Yes. With right. What is going on with you in the moment, right. you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly as it is. Not right. correct or fix anything about yourself. Oh my God. Yes, yes, yeah. A billion times. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah. It's that <laughs> yes. feeling, that sense, whatever we call it. <laughs> That yes. understanding, that state, whatever words we can use, that's it. Yeah, that's um, what belongs means to me. For new clients, what's the best way for them to meet you? Yeah, I think through my website is the best place. So that's just hillwithjill.com. And I offer just a really completely no pressure, low key, just kind of get to know you um, taster session. So there's so much information on my website. Um, but then I also offer that free taster call. And there, I embarrassing, I have a, like an embarrassing amount of free content as well. I feel like people must think that I like that's all I do. And to be perfectly honest, that is a lot of what I've done while my son has been young. Um, and so maybe there's some path that's now unfolding that I'm moving out of creating free content and um, things are shifting for me, um, which would be so beautiful. But um, there is so like, honestly, there's so much there. I, I like I feel a little bit embarrassed, I guess, about the wealth of free offerings that are there. So there's all that. And then, of course, if you want to work with me in a paid capacity, there's options for that as well. And if if um, something specific to food isn't necessarily what you're after, I do offer general wellness coaching. And that's just kind of catered to the individual and what's on their um, radar at the moment. Right. And I'll have the website on your podcast profile Perfect. too. Yeah, you talk about these things about free content and all that, but this is what we do, right? It's inspiration yeah. and it's a calling. I have not chosen to do what I do. It's just, I can't help it, but do this. I know. Like, I can't do something It's different. just happening to you. It's yeah. like, <laughs> right. it's like right. why can't I stop making right. free content? It's like, <laughs> right. no, stop doing that. But it just like, 
but I want to make something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But it's very different when we are working intentionally with somebody. It's I know. a completely different vibration, right, Jill? I love that, that, that connection. Oh, it is totally different. Like making content on your own is purely a selfish, but unselfish at the same time, creative process. Whereas working with a client is totally different. Like it took me a while to respect that those are two very different energies. Yeah, yeah, they're very, very different. It's almost like um, yes, this merging. It's a merge of energies. It's a completely different kind of dance. It's almost trying to find harmony, exactly. isn't it? Which is, it's so beautiful when it comes to helping yourself and others. I just love this uh, concept, this idea. I know. And I wanted to mention before I ask you my final questions, I wanted to mention that, yeah, the Dish the Scale Masterclass, you have the video there. Mm, was it, done. yeah, Ditch the Scale? Yeah. Beautiful, the presentation. I loved it. Especially oh, thank you. loved the way you talked about shame, body shame. And then you show a picture of yourself and then the way, you know, you would interpret and see yourself and other people. Yeah. And I remember looking at the, picture, the first thing that I saw was like, oh, so much fun. <laughs> and I had a smile on oh, my face. lovely. I love water. Yes, lovely. Nowhere in my mind was the thought of analyzing details about that image. Isn't that interesting? Well, it's so interesting. Yeah. So I'll just quickly. So yeah, it's an image of me a couple of years ago here at the local beach at Tatahi Bay in Wellington, New Zealand. And I'm like just in this kind of joyful Pilates um, moment, yeah. we'll call it. <laughs> um, um, just, yeah. And there's like, I think, I don't know if there's a sunset behind me or something. And obviously I have on my bathing suit. And so like, just to give you a little bit of frame of reference coming from a background in ballet and contemporary dance and always being super, super fit, super muscular. Um, and then as my body has evolved and I have continued to always be active and eat really well and respect the way that it has evolved, um, I don't look the same. I just don't. Um, I'm not the same size. I don't have the same body composition. And so one way of looking at that photo would, to be, would be to look at it and go, ugh, like I said, my hangy triceps, my tummy roll. And another way to look at it would be like, oh my God, I am totally inside my body as it is enjoying the moment. And it has been a journey for me to get to that place. And what's interesting to me is that in a much smaller, quote, fitter body, I had much less body image satisfaction in the body that I have now. I struggle far less with body image and I'm much better about body acceptance. And um, I'm not sure why exactly it's been a process, but I think part of that process was just a real genuine realization that I did not want that baggage and I did not want to be someone who was constantly poking and prodding my body, especially as an example to my son. I know that if we have for example, a child and the child is a daughter, that there's maybe even more sensitivity to the female parent going, oh, I feel fat or, oh, my pants are tight or, you know, whatever that body bashing is. But I just felt like it didn't matter. It wasn't gender specific. It was like, who wants to live with a parent who's constantly pointing out body dissatisfaction? That just is not that doesn't seem like a healthy environment to grow up in, I guess. So, um, and I think maybe just more respect for what my body could do versus what it looked like. Um, and I, I did not enjoy being pregnant. I have one child and I never wanted to be pregnant again. Um, and pregnancy was super difficult for me and I chose to breastfeed and that was super easy. And it was this weird, like, contrasting body experience. Um, but I think ultimately it all kind of has unfolded as just a place of body acceptance. And nowadays more 
challenges that I have with my body or feeling like frustrated with how it feels if I'm having a bad body day, not frustrated with how it looks. Oh, how I love the place that you arrived at, although it's not a place, right, <laughs> Jill? It keeps moving, it keeps changing, but exactly. it's so life, isn't it? Exactly. Everything changes. And it's funny when it comes to the body, we want it to be the same. We don't want to age. I mean, there's so I much know. stigma and that doesn't make sense, any sense. No, it doesn't. And I think certainly I'm human and it can get triggered based on like who I'm around. But I've noticed that usually if it gets triggered, it's because I'm around other people who have their own body dissatisfaction. And what I'm picking up on is the sensitivity that they have. And then I'm projecting it onto myself. Which is something to be aware of. And you are, which is wonderful. Absolutely. I'll ask you a, a final question. But before that, I want to mention another comment you made that caught my attention. In that video, you say, mm. we can be both perfect and imperfect at the same time. That yeah. caught my attention <laughs> because that's what life is all about, isn't it? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jill. I have to thank you again for this beautiful, energetic presence that you emanate, this wisdom that you share, the work that you do, this beautiful intention to help others. I mean, and everything else in between that obviously can be felt within my body um, and mine. I appreciate you. your presence Same in our reality. You. Same to you. Thank you. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Well, I think it's congruent with our discussion today. And I think body acceptance um, in whatever that means to someone just as real, genuine body acceptance. And then, yeah, you could take that through into the really eloquent way that you've stated it as self-love, but self-acceptance. Yeah. And then I think belonging would be the second one. Um, just a real deep felt feeling of belonging in some capacity. And then I think the third thing would be um, experiencing communication on an energetic level, whether that's through movement or dance or nature or even silence. But just having that feeling that you have communicated with someone else in a nonverbal way. It's so odd. It's odd that we're wired as humans to communicate verbally, I think, because it is such a, in a way, downgraded way and kind of <laughs> yeah. a messy way of communicating, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, it makes sense to me. That is true. Although some of us have a way of communicating profound messages in the very, I, know. I mean, just beautiful, like the way you spoke today. Oh, thank you. So beautiful. So kind. <laughs> And I can't see you, so I'm just see. Um, I feel the energies, but the words are also very kind of access a place in consciousness in the mind that it's very interesting to feel too. So I know what you mean by not using communication language, verbal language. Yeah, it's interesting how everything is connected, right? That's true, and that's just it. Recognizing that verbal language can create more clutter, but it can also create a lot of clarity. So I do respect it for that. Absolutely. So before we say goodbye for today, again, where can mm -hmm. we find more information about you, your work, your services and future projects? Absolutely. You can find all of that delicious stuff at healwithjill.com. And yeah, there's genuinely a eclectic buffet of offerings yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I love the way you say that. Delicious, and it is. I love yeah. the design of your website. It's beautiful to look at it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much again, Jill, for being you, and we'll talk soon. Same to you. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jill Yeider and her work, please visit healwithjill.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast.
Thank you again for listening and bye for now.